If I asked you what is Club Hectare, would you know? We started a social media group and really that's how we're continuing, but we're being run now as a more professional, better managed organisation. We'll have more later on the relaunch of a farming club that's been around for nearly six years now. Also this week, we go back to basics with the farm dealer that's keeping things simple. There's no complicated electronics in there at all. They're very simple to use, very simple to service and obviously in the future to repair. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. It was a busy week at the New York Showground this week, just gone. Wednesday and Thursday saw the Midlands Machinery Show. I was there for Windy Wednesday, as we'll hear soon. On Tuesday, though, the National Farmers Union was there in force, holding its Business After Brexit conference that we touched on a couple of weeks ago. Well, Wynette Batters, the uh, current Deputy President, who, of course, is in the running to become President of the NFU in the new year, chaired the event and spoke with Cathy Green afterwards. So uh, how was it, Manette? Uh, all sorts of wide-ranging conversations. Obviously, we had all sectors uh, represented. Um, I think a key message around the trade deal being so crucial, um, a lot of uncertainty at the moment, um, but also clear recognition of where we start this Brexit process from. And I've just made this point in the summing up. You know, we have solid foundations from which to start, and that hasn't always been the case, but we look at the growing commitment to uh, sourcing British for across our retailers. Tesco's, of course, recently signing up to our fruit and veg pledge. Um, Colin McKay talking about British sugar and you know how um, much we are leading uh, the world in our production of sugar. So a, a lot of positive conversations. Um, but of course, you know, it is the uncertainty. And Beverly Dixon from G's made the point around the uncertainty of a future workforce and the needing clarity on what a new seasonal agricultural worker scheme will look like. Mm. Do you think farmers? are prepared for life after Brexit then what should they be doing? We are saying to everybody, you need to be focusing uh, on your business. The point um, that Neil Wilson made from HSBC was all around, um, to a certain extent, the AHDB reports and their market surveillance uh, around the efficiencies. You know, I'm certainly looking at my business, um, making sure it's efficient as, as it can be. Um, as farmers, I think, you know, we are always focused on, on that balance sheet and what it looks like. But, you know, we have a window of, of time uh, to look at those businesses and we should should be because you know we genuinely as we stand here today we do not know uh, whether we are going to agree a transition period that is paving the way to a free trade deal with the European Union in March 2019 or the potential of crashing out with no deal which would have massive uh, uncalculated impact on agricultural businesses. How would you say farming is in, in general at the moment? Um, it's, you know, I, as farmers, we, we are probably never uh, totally happy with everything. The weather will throw all sorts of things at us. So we're, we're used to coping with a, a challenging um, environment of which to work. But I think farmers are on the whole, um, you know, in, in an OK place. You know, we've got record farm debt at the moment, £18 billion worth of farm borrowing. So there's a lot of challenges out there. Um, very challenging retail um, price war that we're living with you know all focused on on keeping food prices low making sure we don't see food inflation so returns to farm gate are are challenged without a doubt but as i said at the beginning we're seeing growing commitment to wanting to source british which is which is great and have you got hopes for the new year 2018 
we hope politically we will have more certainty. Um, obviously, the the EU trade discussions will hopefully kick off. Um, you know, plan two with the with the exit. Um, that is really needed. I think that the clarity you cannot underestimate um, needing the clarity of thinking as to what that that trade landscape is going to look like. Uh, whether uh, UK citizens are allowed to stay in residence abroad, whether EU citizens are allowed to stay here, many things that we don't know the answers to. Um, so some certainty would, would really help in 2018. Indeed, very challenging times. Manette Batters there of the NFU. I'm told such was the success of that conference last Tuesday that they're planning more on a similar theme soon. We'll let you know once we find out more. The following day, at the same location, it was the Midlands Machinery Show, the fourth such annual event, and it's certainly building a solid reputation among those attending. Wednesday was very windy, but that didn't stop visitors or exhibitors, among them Dwayne Clover. He's MD of Clover Farm Services in Boston, a dealer for Armatrack. Clover Farm Services, we're a family, um, and uh, we've been farming and contracting and whatnot for a few years now um, and uh, we first sort of got introduced to um, Armour Track at the Lama show. Uh, we could see the product looked good and we got involved with them and decided that we would become a dealer basically for the um, eastern area of the UK um, and it's just gone from there really since January this year. We talk a lot about um, new technology and the, the bigger technology. What, what, what you like about Armatrack is it's simple, isn't it? It's smaller, it's simple. Yeah, basically it's, it's almost back to basics. Um, so the, the tractors themselves, the, they've got Perkins engines, so they've got the good, reliable engines, they've got the reliable transmissions from ZF or Carrera, um, but there's no complicated electronics in there at all. So uh, they're very simple to use, uh, very simple to service and obviously in the future to repair. So there's no added extra costs involved of all these um, uh, electronic gizmos that we don't actually need. Yeah, and that's it. and you're finding that obviously, uh, uh, thankfully, a lot of people are agreeing with you, and that that is the you know the future for them. Yeah, it's a huge selling point in the fact that people have realised that things are getting too complicated and too expensive. Um, so we're offering a product uh, that that they managed with for a long while, um, and it's disappeared now. Um, so they're able to get what they had, uh, and it, and it's perfectly capable of doing the job. Mm. And I guess I, I guess it was a punt, was it, to go with Armatech originally? It was kind of like, what do you think? Should we try it? It was as simple as we ourselves, been farmers, thought actually we walked in and saw that that's a nice looking product for a start. Uh, then we had a look round it, realised there was the Perkins engines, the ZF transmissions, and and it, it looked quite simple. And then we looked at the price. And when we looked at the price and thought, really, all that for that sort of money? Uh, you're talking about well-known brands that are, are more than double uh, the cost of this this particular tractor and of course the warranties are there the, the, the engines are covered by Perkins uh, so there's nothing to worry about so that's what we saw for a start uh, and then talking to the guys seeing what they're doing um, we, we did want to get involved. Approaching the end of the year how has uh, 2017 been for you? It's, it's, it's building, we're basically building uh, so we're, we're having uh, to make brand awareness um, 
thankfully uh, armor trucks do support uh, nationally so there are plenty of advertising nationally um, and uh, all the time uh, they're looking at bringing out new products uh, to help us they do support us really well um, so we're building so it's just getting people aware of what's what what we've got to offer in Lincolnshire and beyond mm. And hopes for next year. I mean, obviously, you'll be at Lammer in, in January. Your, your hopes generally for 2018? Yeah, we we um, we keep moving, so we we attend a lot of shows. So we yes, we'll be at Lammer. Um, uh, there's another model that will be there at Lammer. We can't really say yes what's going on, but there is more coming into the model range. Um, and uh, ourselves, we go up uh, to Yams, which is the York, Yorkshire Agricultural Machinery Show in February. Um, and we're looking um, at doing working demonstrations throughout 2018 as well. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's looking good. Mm. And that's good, isn't it? I mean, we, we talk a lot on the programme about, you know, things like Brexit and uh, all, all manner of things that's going on in the political world. On the, on the ground, are, are people that concern the people that you're that, that come and talk to you yeah i mean obviously uh, costs are spiraling mm. you know out of control um and at the end of the day you know farming uh, there's very little money out there it's very difficult and um people are worried about with brexit what's going to happen people are having to be careful but at the end of the day uh, you've still got a job to do you need reliable uh, equipment, uh, modern equipment, new equipment is is obviously under warranty, so you you know you've got peace of mind from there, and uh, and people have to look at their their business carefully and think you know can we afford to keep spending all these vast amounts of money? Uh, perhaps there's savings to be had some there. Uh, we don't need to spend money on things that we don't need. So yeah, the uncertainty. I think it's kind of helping us because we're, we're sort of in a bit of a niche market. Is that people are, are, are coming forward and saying, you know, actually that'll absolutely do the job, and 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 almost can't believe how much it is. <laughs> and he's clearly passionate about what they're doing at Clover Farm Services. That's MD Dwayne Clover. Look out for them at Lama in the new year. In a moment, we've grain agronomy and the relaunch of Club Hector. We need to come together. We need to sort of try and curtail self-opinionated people who are not in the industry who think they're actually farmers. That Club Hector relaunch soon. First, our uh, weekly experts, and we start with agronomy with Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services, battling the elements as ever, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. And to paraphrase Game of Thrones, winter is coming, but it's not here yet. We've had a, a week of interesting weather. We're at the beginning of the winter, really, and we're starting to see that. We'll get a night with a frost, and then we'll get the following day 15 or 16 degree temperatures. So these massive ambient fluctuations are not ideal for applying propizomide to a field of oilseed rape. So let's start with oilseed rape. There are two things you need for propizomide to work well. You need soil moisture in that top 5 to 10 centimetres. We've now got that in some areas of the county because I took 4 millimetres of rain in the last 7 days. One of my clients that I can see from my house is right up on the top of the hill near Caister he took over 24 millimetres of rain. So there is moisture in the top, but it does vary to where we are. You need soil moisture for propizomide to work. You also need the soil temperatures to be falling. And it's that phrase which is key, falling. Because you need eight degrees soil temperature at 10 centimetres and falling, and you need thir- uh, 10 degrees Celsius at 30 centimetres 
and falling. And we're not getting that and falling bit at the moment because when you get a day of 15 or 16 degrees like we had this week, that brings your soil temperature up. My soil temperatures today are just over one degree C higher than they were this time last week. And that's not ideal for propizomide. It will still work in those conditions, but you're all the time losing 10, 15, even 20% efficacy. And why would you want to do that if the black grass is what you're after? You've got until the end of January to apply propizomide and I would suggest that if it's shallow rooted small black grass that you've already done a good job of controlling uh, prior to, to now unless it's big pampas grasses with massive root systems I wouldn't rush in with propizomide and remember you can put propizomide on onto a frost onto a rime frost but and what we've seen this week with some warm temperatures we've seen an increase in the light leaf spot levels and a slight resurgence in the foamer levels as well which have hitherto been held by the original early fungicide so if you're in including a fungicide with that propizomide, you do not want to be applying that onto a rime leaf because you'll defeat the object. As soon as the rime melts, the fungicide will go with it and you'll lose all its efficacy. So just make sure you're putting the right thing on at the right time in the right conditions. And that's very, very similar to winter wheat at the moment because the black grass is indeed starting to come through. You get these warm days, the black grass which has come from either below the herbicide layer or the stuff that's pushed through that herbicide layer is pricking through. When you get one and two leaf black grass in these fields, if Atlantis still works on your farm, that would be a good time to go and deal with it. The smaller it is, the more likely you are to get a good result with something like Atlantis, which is a sulfonyl urea, and to which black grass is beginning to become quite resistant. So once they get tillers on them, they produce an awful lot of amino acid, which are the antidote to the uh, the herbicide. So the smaller they are, the better. Make sure they're all there. There's no residual activity. It's all contact. And put it on in 12K, maximum forward speed. Do not use bubble jets or air indu induction nozzles. For goodness sake, put it on a dry leaf. And for goodness sake, make sure it stays dry for at least two hours in these conditions after you've applied it. And if you bear in mind the dew starts to come down at about half past two, the dew is rarely gone from the field this time of year before half 11, you're going to get one tank full a day at best. So prioritise the worst fields, pick the fields where you think it's going to travel best and work best and do it that way. You've got an awful lot of time between now and the end of January, February before you need to panic too much about black grass being too big to control. And remember you can top up, if you've already done a Liberator application of 0.6 six weeks ago, you can top that up with another 0.3 of Liberator to keep that fluphenicet level just topped up in the soil and just manage this second emergence of black grass. In general, the slug damage has uh, decreased over the last seven days um, and some of that will be down to the fact we've got a moist soil layer lower down than it has been on the top. Some of that will be the frosts which will drive the slugs down and the colder it gets over the next few weeks, the further down into the, the profile of the soil the slugs will start to move so we'll start to see a, a bit of a fall off in damage. If you do see slugs you've got wet conditions, you've got cold conditions, the best product to apply now to avoid getting it into the water is ferrous phosphate. Try and avoid using metaldehyde over the coming weeks while it's wet because that will carry it into the watercourse and that's what we don't want. So all things considered there's a lot of rabbit damage, bird damage, there's a lot of pigeon damage starting to appear. Um, there are odd patches that don't look right in rape field. If you pull them up and you've got a knobbly root that'll be club root. There's nothing you can do about it other than get some lime on it and that will minimize the effect uh, going forward. But all things considered I think we look pretty well out there. Pretty well is good enough for me. Thank you, Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services.
Right, with your weekly update on grain prices, let's say good morning to Chris Spratt from Open Field. Another quiet week, Chris? Yeah, well, a quiet week as far as any fresh news is concerned, but I think the pace of selling has just moved up a a notch over the week. DEFRA finally published their regional crop data. Um, They had put out their national figures earlier on, but uh, now they're publish their regional crop data and quite frankly um, I, I just find it a little bit difficult to understand at this moment in time as we've said previously nationally they've come up with a wheat harvested figure that seems to be a good 500,000 to maybe a million tonnes higher than some uh, estimates uh, and, and just looking regionally in Lincolnshire and, and Yorkshire wheat yields I can't believe they're so much higher than they were last year 11 to 12 percent is where they're pitching the figure uh, regionally uh, maybe uh, I think things were a little bit better in Yorkshire than last year but not quite so sure about south of the Humber so you know we'll have to see more details will come to light on that I'm sure uh, another qu- consequence as we've spoken before of the uh, northern consumers demand for wheat is that we're seeing an industry-wide shortage of available bulk road haulage with the longer distances being travelled of wheat moving south to north so lorries are not only have to travel further but they're also only doing about 50% of the number of loads that would normally be expected at this time of year and with December approaching it's always a, a busy month and a tight month for haulage uh, I think we're going to see some fun and games and again this comes back to the smaller crop size no exportable surplus and uh, you know traditionally we uh, we would have been exporting wheat out of local port as it is this season all wheat's travelling north uh, the domestic market demand is where the domestic market is and grains having to travel further south to north to meet that demand and hence the big regional differences and variations in price that we've we've spoke about over the last few months. For those growers prepared to load in December, there are prices available now that we don't really see until the spring. Now, Northern Hemisphere crops look settled. Everyone's looking at the Southern Hemisphere now to see any development there for a a potential issue uh, as we go forward. As far as prices are concerned, feed wheat for December, 140 to 142. Uh, and as we've said, uh, slightly less for January, 139 to 141, with May 142.50 to 145. There's still good uh, demand for uh, good quality ha- uh, soft wheats and hard wheats in certain areas. Uh, milling wheat premiums, dependent on area, still around the 11 to 12 pound mark. Feed wheat for November 18, 138 to 141. And feed barley, still a bit of demand there uh, for exports, certainly out of the southern ports, which is again tightening things up a little bit uh, further north you go. Uh, with feed barley, 124 to 127 for January. With malting barley premium still remaining firm in the region of £30 plus for the right samples. All seed rape, slightly easier on the week with January 316 to 318, but with a pound a month carry going forward. Feed beans, 145 to 150 uh, post-Christmas and into the early spring. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, even though there's not a lot of human consumption, um, top-quality samples about that market, struggling for firm bids at the moment. But I certainly would like to think that we'd see £30 for that premium for the better samples. Useful as ever. Thank you, Chris Spratt from Open Field. A few years back, I took to the combine with Sunk Island farmer Jono Dixon for the programme, you might remember, and uh, while out in the field, he touched briefly on his Club Hectare idea, which he founded, along with North Lincolnshire farmer Chris Hewis. Well, this week, that club saw a relaunch with its own website and a management committee, all volunteers, aimed at creating, well, shall we say, a civilised forum for agriculture. 
Chris Hewis is now the chairman. Club Hector, we started as a social media group and really that's how we're continuing, but we're being run now as a more professional, better managed organisation. In the past, Club Hector, people just followed Club Hector uh, on Twitter um, and, and basically got involved in conversation. What we're hoping to do now is have really good good quality, constructive conversations um, and, and we're trying to link anybody in the industry, right from operators to students to managing directors of companies. And as we know, you know, it, it, this time more than ever, having those voices, having that conversation is needed in agriculture, isn't it? It's absolutely crucial. Farming has to, to really get its word out um, to the general public because we've been battered from all sides. So what can people do? You can go sign up for free on the, uh, the website? Membership is absolutely free. It's, it's crucial that you are a member and there's good reasons for that. It's so that we can monitor who is members and if people are abusing that membership by being uh, rude or um, aggressive on the forums, we can we can get rid of them, we can delete the membership. But yeah, you go to www.clubhectare.com and you just click on join there, I shall approve your membership and then uh, you're free to access the forums. Now, as we, as we touched on earlier, you know, it's a crucial time to, for, for people to be having those conversations. But also, it's, it's bringing the community together, isn't it? You know, it can be, as you said just now, an isolating job sometimes, particularly nowadays in agriculture. Absolutely. Farmers and farm workers spend a lot of time on their own. Uh, and, and we all know the, the issues that can be around that with, with um, working alone. So I feel that the community spirit in agriculture has been lost, and, it, and we're trying to replace that. There aren't big numbers of people working on farms to to, to chat and, and, you know, with your colleagues these days. Not many farmers go to the cattle market these days, a weekly cattle market. No end of business used to be done around that sale ring. And we're replacing that community. We're making that available again. Chris Hewis. As I said, Chris started Club Hectare with John O'Dixon. He's now the life president, but can he believe just how it's grown since that very first gathering? No, not all. It's just been an amazing journey. Um, you know, when was it? Seventeenth uh, of February, twenty twelve. We met. Uh, I think it was at the Haber Hotel in North Lincolnshire. Uh, Fourteen. Chris and I put a put a bit of a tweet out saying, you know, whoever wants to join us, come and join us. And um, yeah, we got the fourteen. Where are we now? We're well over four hundred actual merchandise members without a website. So. Where are we going from here? And it's needed, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it is bringing the community together at a time when we need to be raising our voices, right? Oh, oh very much so. And I think Andrew uh, initially, Wardy, uh, or as I uh, sort of charmingly call him, oh, Waffle Chops, um, Andrew you know, sort of hit on it that, yeah, we, we need young, old, we need to come together, we need to sort of, without being too... Diplomatic or or undiplomatic or however you want to say it, um, but we do need to sort of try and curtail the knockers. And the, the problem is we've got too many self-opinionated people who are not in the industry who think they're actually farmers, and, and we don't need those people. Nobody does. You know, it's just just spreading malicious gossip uh, and. and it's doing nobody any good. This is a good chance to fight back, but also a good chance to unite the, the, the community as well, not just regionally, but right across the country as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, who knows, the sky's the limit on this. Well, uh, let's hope so. Yeah. You know, you, you've known me for the past two or three years. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know how I tick. Uh, 
I'm full of enthusiasm. He's not wrong. Full of enthusiasm indeed. Jono Dixon there. You can find out more about the club at the new website. It's all free. Won't cost you anything. You can um, join up. It's uh, www.clubhectare.com. Clubhectare.com. Right, one uh, discussion point on the new forum could well be about the weather. Uh, Let's give you something to talk about then. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Today's some sunshine, though it will cloud over by the afternoon. Possibility of a shower, but it should be mostly dry. Six, the high. The wind from the west-northwest, 15, perhaps gusting at 20, 25 miles an hour. Dry at first overnight tonight, but a heavy band of rain sweeping through first thing tomorrow morning. Temperatures start off at low of three, but then with the wind getting up from the southwest at 20, maybe gusting at 40 miles an hour, we might see temperatures first thing tomorrow morning around five o'clock at about eight Celsius. It'll stay at eight Celsius through the day tomorrow. Quite a misty, murky day as well, with the possibility of a few more showers to come. That wind continuing from the west, 15, gusting at 25 miles an hour. Clearer skies Monday into Tuesday once that band of rain has swept over. That means temperatures down, frost possible first thing on Tuesday morning to the low generally. The wind more from the west-northwest, 15, still gusting at 30 miles an hour for a time. And then Tuesday itself starts off with some sunny spells, but it will cloud over later. We're looking at highs of about 6 Celsius and the wind from the north-northwest, again 15 to 30 miles an hour. Some more clear skies for a start overnight, clouding over later once again first thing Wednesday morning. Temperatures down to 2 Celsius, so again a frost possible. The wind from the north-northwest, 15, still gusting at 30, maybe 35 miles an hour. And then for the middle of the week, well, it's like being a sunny day. That means cooler, temperatures about 4 Celsius. The wind from the north-northwest again, 15 to 25 miles an hour. Bitterly cold nights ahead by the looks of things for the latter end of the week. Temperatures down to freezing point, so uh, quite frosty. That wind continuing from the northwest as well. We're looking at daytime highs, 5 or 6 Celsius. Overnight lows, as I say, between freezing point and about 2 degrees. And that's the forecast. It's uh, CropTech this coming week, of course, at the East of England showground with profitability and the adoption of new technology among the talking points. Talking points that uh, we'll explore in more detail, fresh from the event on the programme next week. Until then, have a good week's farming.